really saying is here, he is the source of all spiritual life. There is no spiritual heavenly life in a man, woman's soul, if they do not know the Lord Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Now, I want you to note the time at which the Lord Jesus spoke these words. We need to link up verse 12 with verse 2. It says in John 8, verse 2, Early in the morning he came into the temple, and all the people came unto him. Now, I don't know exactly what kind of windows were in the temple, but uh, it would have had windows, and the rising sun would have been shining in through the windows into the temple. And at that hour, you can see how the Lord was linking up with that new day light shining into the temple where they were meeting. And then he announces, I am the light of the world. Welcome again to Let the Bible Speak. This is Ian Gallagher, and it is a real privilege to bring the message of the gospel to you today. And as you can notice already, we are sort of ramping up the way to Easter, one of the most glorious times in the calendar of the Christian church, because we have that extra reason to preach the cross, to tell of Jesus, the one who loved us, to lay down his life in our place for us. And today we're going to be bringing a special text, Galatians 6.14, God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we're going to be looking at why Christians are so jealous and protective of the cross work of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're not protective of the wood or the nails, but we are protective of the doctrine. And I'll be mentioning that toward the close of the program today. The main text for from the uh, pulpit ministry of our church is, uh, I am the light of the world. These are the words of the Lord Jesus, the Son of God, as he expounds the, the very reason why he came into the world, and of course that all life is found in him. I hope that you understand that and that you will turn to him and give him your heart. Now, just in case I don't emphasize it later, because I do want to make some special announcements today, there is a booklet here called A New Beginning, A New Beginning, and uh, it's free of charge to any who write or send for it. Uh, give me a call, send me an email, or you can go to our website, and you can actually read it online. It's called A New Beginning, and it's a most helpful book. It's about 32 pages. It's a booklet, uh, pocket size, that you could uh, use to share the gospel. You could uh, sit down with your family and use this. You could use it with friends or even on a hospital visit or give to those that perhaps are interested in the gospel. So it's called A New Beginning. Please remember to send for it. Now we're turning to the message today where Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Father, we we call on Thee to send us the Holy Spirit. Blessed Lord Jesus, send us the Holy Spirit. And blessed Holy Spirit, come, minister to our hearts now through Thy Word, the written Word, the inspired Word that we depend upon as food for our souls. Breathe upon every heart that worships. Help me, O God, to speak Thy Word 
plainly. And may there be great profit in the ministry of the gospel today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're turning to John chapter 8, verse 12, and we're going to preach today in one of the I Ams of the Lord Jesus, where He said, I am the light of the world. Now, there are seven of them in the Gospels, and uh, they are great statements by the Lord Jesus. I am the light of the world. Could you imagine what would happen if the sun did not shine for a 24-hour period? Can you think of the darkness and the coldness and the panic that that would create in the earth if the sun just stopped shining for one day? What if the sun ceased to shine for a year? Well, we would be in absolute Arctic conditions. There would be no life, and we would be plunged into a complete catastrophe and darkness. We would have to say that it would be like hell, where darkness is forevermore. Now, we know how valuable light is to plant life. They can't exist without light, even though they have heat, even though they have nutrition, they may have water, but without light, they cannot grow and mature as they should. And of course, plants always want to grow toward the light. That's why your auntie always wanted to turn the pot every time she viewed the flower, because plants want to grow toward the light. It is their attraction. And you can tell your garden, which is facing north and south, by how plants grow and how uh, even the moss will grow uh, in those shady areas, uh, things get dark. And every Boy Scout knows that if you're in the forest, how to check for the direction of north. You hug the tree, and wherever the moss is, that's north. That's north, because it grows as a fungus on the tree. But if it's in the light, well, that won't happen. Now, this figure of speech adopted by the Lord Jesus, where He said, I am the light of the world, what He's really saying is here, He is the source of all spiritual life. There is no spiritual heavenly life in a man, woman's soul, if they do not know the Lord Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Now, I want you to note the time at which the Lord Jesus spoke these words. We need to link up verse 12 with verse 2. It says in John 8, verse 2, early in the morning he came into the temple, and all the people came unto him. Now, I don't know exactly what kind of windows were in the temple, but uh, it would have had windows, and the rising sun would have been shining in through the windows into the temple. And at that hour, you can see how the Lord was linking up with that new day light, shining into the temple where they were meeting. And then he announces, I am the light of the world. And so the sun rose and shone into the temple, and the Lord made use of that scene to teach about His own mission into the world. 
Now, let me clear away all the notions of universalism, where Jesus said, I am the light of the world. You'll notice that he did not say, I am the light of the Jews. Didn't say that. I'm not, I am come just to be a light to the Jews, but to the world. And of course, that includes Gentiles. That includes every people in the world. And note that the word world, even that is qualified. Because the Lord Jesus is not the redeemer of every man in the world. He said, he that followeth me. And sadly, in that temple, there were multitudes of Jews who would not believe on the Lord Jesus. They quizzed him, they opposed him, and many of them later cried out, crucify him. But thankfully, we read down at the end of our reading that there were many who did believe on him. And so this message of the Lord was effective to the hearts of some. And that's very often how the Lord works. When the gospel is preached, some believe and some doubt. Some are born again and some are hardened. Some are ready for heaven and some are twice the children of hell. Why? Because they do not accept that the Lord Jesus is the light of the world. Now, this world then is ever divided into the children of light and the children of darkness. The children of light, of course, are followers of the Lord Jesus. I hope that's you today. I hope you can say, I am in the light. I am in fellowship with the Lord Jesus because I have turned to the one who is the light and the Savior of the world. So what we can say here today by this, from this text is that Jesus was on a mission, a mission to bring light to the souls of men. And I want to take up that theme of the mission. The Lord Jesus came into the world to seek and to save that which was lost, to bring men out of spiritual darkness that they might walk in the light. What a wonderful, wonderful mission it is. And today, in the 21st century, the Lord is still turning those in darkness because they live without God, they live without the truth, they live without any thought of God, and then the gospel is preached to them. They hear of Christ, the Savior, the Son of God, and the light shines into their hearts. A miracle takes place, a spiritual miracle. And they now become children of light to walk in the light. That's the gospel we believe in today. That's the gospel that's going to change the world. That's the gospel that's going to deliver people from the broad road to destruction into that way that leads to eternal life. And I hope that there's a mission, a message for you here today in this. Firstly, in this mission of light, the Lord is the only giver of light. And I deliberately held back this one from in my introduction. I wanted to major on this point. Just as there was only one sun creating the light shining through the windows into the temple, just one sun out there, there is only one Son of God, S-O-N. There is only one whom God has sent into the world to be the light of the world. And he is the only person identified here. 
Now, I thought about Jesus saying, I am the light of the world. And you can pronounce that various ways and emphasize on different aspects of it, where the Lord says, I am the light of the world. And then it gets more emphatic or dogmatic than that. He says, I am the light of the world. And if that got through to the hearts of men and women that day, what a dramatic statement it was. Now, he's not just the light of the world, but he's sent by the Father. And if you look at verse 18, I am one that bear witness of myself, and the Father that sent me beareth witness of me. Now, this is in, in, in response to all the questions. Who are you? How can you say who you are? How can you make this claim? How can you claim to be the light of the world? How can you say that you personally are the light of the world uh, in somewhat parallel fashion to the, the only sun that shines down upon the face of the earth? How can you say that? My Father hath sent me. Do you believe that? Do you believe that with all your heart today, that the Father hath sent his own Son into the darkness, the sin of this world, to enlighten, to bring them to the knowledge of the living God? Now, this is true in creation. And I want you to come back to John chapter 1. Let's make use of our Bibles here. John chapter 1. The world was not created without the Lord Jesus. Now, we know that all three persons in the Trinity were involved. God the Father spoke. God the Holy Spirit moved upon the face of the earth. And here in John 1.1, 1, 1, we are told that nothing was made uh, without Christ that was made. And the Lord Jesus was absolutely, totally involved in the creation of the world. Now, after making all those statements, you look at verse 4, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. Do you see the connection? Just as God spoke light into the world, God sent his Son to become the life and the light of the world. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Many doubt. Many did not receive the Lord. Many would not believe on him. They continued in darkness. Thankfully, others did believe and began to walk in the light and become followers of the Lord Jesus. And now we come in verse 6 to the ministry of John the Baptist. Here is a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light. That's the Lord Jesus that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, not John the Baptist but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. Can you see how the Lord Jesus is the only light of the world? Just as the sun in the sky is the only sun that heats and lights this earth, the parallel is certainly poignant here. In that, there's only one gospel. There's only one covenant of grace. There's only one plan of redemption. God is not double-minded. He doesn't have one way to save people and then reverse that and have another way. There's only one way to the Father. And here's another I am of Jesus' statement. I am the way, 
the truth and the life, no man cometh to the Father but by me. And I want to stick to my guns here, theologically that is, with the truth that there is only one plan of redemption. Could you imagine the confusion and indeed the immorality if God could have saved sinners any other way? You can imagine that there were three or four possibilities on the table, and God chose the one that required His own Son to leave heaven, suffer, die, and be raised again, while there was other ways by which God could have saved His people. That, I'm going to be gentle here, say, borders on blasphemy, that God would require the death of His Son needlessly unnecessarily. No, we would say there was no other way. God needed a divine person to take the place of sin, the sinner's sin, when the offense was against a divine person. That's theology. And in the gospel, it's theology 101. The blood of animals could not wash away sin. The blood of the sons of Adam could not wash away sin. It took the blood of the Son of God fused into human nature that it would have the infinite value and vitality to redeem the souls of men from the curse of sin. And that's why there's only one Savior. That's why Christianity stands alone in the world as the message of God to a sinful world. And that's why Jesus could announce this statement, I am the light of the world. And by that, we learn there is one way to heaven, one way to the Father. Do you believe? Have you come to the light? And are you now a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ alone? If you want to be a polytheist, if you want to have many gods, many ways to heaven, you're not a Christian. That, that's what our Lord Jesus teaches. One way to the Father. God hath appointed one Son in the sky. He has given only one Son to be the Savior and Redeemer of men. Now, I move on to the next point here. The Lord's mission of light is to give the graces of spiritual life. Did you notice in John 1, we read there that life and light, they sort of are synonymous. They work together. He is the life of man and the light of man. And so when this life, this light of the Lord comes into your life, you have new life, just like the plant. What is it that gives the plant life? Light. And what is it that dispels the darkness, the, the devil, and the powers of the devil's kingdom out of your heart? It is the light of the Lord Jesus coming into your soul. And that's what gives us the power to repent. It's the gift of faith and repentance. We learned over and over again that Christianity is not just a, a mere set of rules and precepts, and you check the boxes and say, I'm in. No, it calls you to repent of sin, of spiritual darkness, and to turn to the light, and to walk in the fellowship of the Lord Jesus. And so the Christian life is one of renouncing darkness because the light 
has now shone into your darkness. You can't walk in darkness anymore. By this light, sin is revealed in all its ugliness. You ask the man on the street, do you hate your sin? What are you talking about? Can't even understand. You ask a godly Christian who reads his Bible and prays every day and knows God's Word, do you hate your sin? He says, I do, and I hate it more and more as I grow in light and knowledge and grace. The mark of the new birth is that you turn from the darkness and you walk in the light, the fellowship of the Lord Jesus. would love to tell you what I think of Jesus Since I found in him a friend so strong and true I would tell you how he changed my life completely He did something that no other friend could do no one ever cared for me like Jesus. There's no other friend so kind as he. No one else could take the sin and darkness from me. Oh, how much he cared for me. was full of sin when Jesus found me. All my heart was full of misery and woe. Jesus placed his strong and loving arms about me, and he led me in the way I ought to go. comes to me with new assurance more and more I understand his words of love but I'll never know just why he came to save me till someday I see his blessed face above no ever cared for me like Jesus. There's no other friend so kind as he. No one else could take the sin and the darkness from me. Oh, how much he Listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio ministry of our Free Presbyterian Church. 
And our Easter text, well, I'm speaking a little early perhaps, but I want to give an Easter text each day leading up to Easter time. And today the text is, God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's Galatians 6, verse 14. God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. The question that arises out of this gospel text is, why are born-again believers so jealous and protective of the cross of Calvary? The first reason surely is that it is a sacred or holy thing to the eye of the believer in Christ. On that cross, Jesus, the eternal Son of God, died and suffered for us. God the judge punished God the substitute. God the Holy One bruised His Holy One, Jesus, who stood in my place to take my sins upon Himself. It was God's means of reconciling us to Himself. We do not guard the wood of the cross, for it has perished. We do not guard the nails of the Lord's crucifixion, those have rusted away and are no more. But we guard the doctrine of the cross, which shall never perish. The work accomplished by the Son of God on that tree was an eternal work. It was carried out once and never to be repeated, but its power to the nations shall never cease. The second reason why we are jealous of the cross of Calvary is that there are probably more people alive in the world today who are redeemed by the power of the blood of Jesus than at any other time in history. When you add up the believers out of all the nations of the world, they are in their millions. The population of the world today is vast compared to 500 years ago or even 100 years ago. Today the cross is still being preached and to more people than ever. Should the Lord tarry and the world continue for another 500 years, the blood of Christ shall still be all-powerful to save multitudes out of the nations. Thirdly and quickly, we are protective of the cross of Calvary, for its message cannot change. No matter what the changes in this world, the story, the facts of Calvary will not change, and its message to sinners will ever be the same. Only the blood of Jesus can wash away man's sins. Only the work of the cross will satisfy God to declare us righteous in his sight. Therefore, we agree with the Apostle Paul, God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. I want to invite you to our church services leading up to Easter. Stay tuned now for these closing few announcements. You are listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio broadcast of the Free Presbyterian Church in Canada. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. If you missed part of today's program or would like to hear it again, you can find it archived by program date on our website. Just go to 
ltbs.ca, CA for Canada. There you can read my blog, find my Bible study notes, audio and video sermons, as well as helpful articles. Or you can go to our podcast on iTunes. We're on the air Sundays at 9.30 a.m. for our full church broadcast, and Monday to Friday, 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. on this station to bring you the gospel from our free Presbyterian church here in Cloverdale. We also invite you to our church services on Sundays, 10.30 and 6 p.m. Through our website, you can listen and view to our online services at 10.30 and 6 p.m. Make it your Sunday worship. Click on the Live Now button on the homepage of our website. Or if you would like to talk with me one-on-one as a pastor, please give me a call. The phone number is 604-897-2040. The mailing address is 187 9058 Avenue, Surrey, BC, V3S1M6. We're located just two blocks north of Number 10 Highway on 188th Street. Our website again is ltbs.ca. You can join us Monday to Friday, 5 a.m., 5 p.m., here on this station as we let the Bible speak. Music